I'm Brian McGlynn. And I'm Anya Murray. Welcome to Root and Branch. In this series, Anya and I are creating an audio portrait of six native Irish trees. We're exploring the folklore and ecology of each tree, and I've written and recorded some new songs and traditional tunes inspired by what we've discovered about each tree. This episode is all about holly. Holly is a tree that everyone is familiar with. Holly leaves don't fall off each autumn, like the leaves of most deciduous trees, making holly one of the few native trees that stays green through the winter months. Its distinctive prickly leaves are how holly protects itself from grazing animals. Each leaf has a waxy coating that makes it stiff and shiny and prevents water from being lost through the leaves, making holly a tree that can withstand strong winds, drought and long spells of cold and icy weather in wintertime. And because the tough leaves are able to withstand harsh weather, it's more efficient for holly trees to retain their leaves through winter rather than shed them each autumn and go to the effort of producing a whole new set of leaves each spring like other deciduous trees do. These adaptations allow holly to thrive in the harshest terrain, growing perfectly well among rocky boulders on steep mountain slopes where soils can be thin and dry. Holly's life strategy is all about resilience. Holly is unmoving. It is a strong, resilient protector, ready to weather any storm, to live through the harshest frost. For centuries, holly has been seen as a source of hope through the dark winter, with its green, shiny leaves and bright red berries. Nowadays, we associate holly mostly with Christmas, but in pre-Christian times, it had strong ties with other midwinter festivals. Saturnalia was one of the most significant Roman holidays, beginning on the 17th of December. Celebrating the winter solstice and honouring Saturn, the Roman god of agriculture. People would decorate their homes with sprigs of holly, exchange gifts and feast for a whole week. In Norse and Germanic traditions, holly was also associated with midwinter, used as a decoration and in wreath making. These European traditions all informed modern Christmas traditions across the world and show us just how old the associations of holly with midwinter are. In the woods, holly is clearly seen to withstand grazing from deer or other animals and holly trees can protect other young saplings from grazers too. In Tumnafinog woods in Carlow, 
Some of the old oaks are surrounded by holly trees, which may have protected them when they were young oak saplings. Holly's resilience in harsh weather, its offering of hope in midwinter, and in how it protects young saplings in a woodland, may all explain why holly is so strongly associated with protection and resilience in our folklore and mythology. To explore some of the folklore of holly in Ireland, we spoke with Rianach Yogan, Professor Emeritus of Irish Folklore and former director of the National Folklore Collection at UCD. I began by asking Rianach about the prominence of holly, or quillen in Irish, in Irish place names. The place names in Ireland, so many of them are associated, in particular with, with holly. And we th- if we think of the Irish word quillen, and Ma Cullen, my Cullen in Galway, the plain of the holly, and Glen Cullen, Glen Cullen, and Kilcullen, Kilcullen in Kildare, and Garnish Island, for example, is called Ilanan Cullen. But there are a number of places in Ireland called Ilanan Cullen, and Hollywood is called Unchail Nifa, the holy wood, and it's an interesting kind of translation, I suppose. The holly is seen to be strong, steady, steadfast, but also, as with so much else in folk tradition, it has to be treated with respect. And people had particular rules, I think, unwritten rules, that they would follow when they were bringing in the holly for Christmas, for example. And of course, our strongest association with holly is the reassociation with Christmas. If we look at anything at all to do with Christmas, that it has, a, whether it's a party that's being advertised or something else, all you need is a sprig of holly and immediately you're drawn into Christmas with that sprig of holly, generally with a few berries on it. Enormous amounts of holly are sold around Christmas time. And yet there is a tradition in Irish folklore and in the folklore of other countries that the holly deserves respect and shouldn't be cut down. So there's that kind of contradiction that we find, the two sides of of the coin, if you like, with holly. In Ireland, there's an old tradition on St. Stephen's Day, the 26th of December, known as Law and Drolin, or the Wren Day, when people hunt and kill a wren, not a real one anymore, and then parade it around on a sprig of holly, taking donations for the hunt and also for the wren's funeral. Dressing in elaborate disguises and masks of straw, the people are known as wren boys or straw boys. The tradition is still very much alive in some parts of Ireland, especially in Dingle in County Kerry. It is said to have pagan roots, but it's also associated with the story of St. Stephen, who was hiding from his enemies in a holly bush when he was betrayed by a chattering wren, after which he was stoned to death. This may be a clue as to why holly is so strongly associated with bad luck in Ireland. How old the holly tradition is as regards luck and ill luck is impossible to say, but certainly the traditions have adapted very well to Christian belief. And of course the story of the the ran going from branch to branch and betraying where St Stephen the Martyr was hiding and said in many cases under the holly bush is indicative, I think, of how traditions adapt and to, to suit the community. And of course, the Rand's Day, then St. Stephen's Day, holly is very much associated with that as well. And we see people going around with um, 
they ran in former times a dead bird on top of a holly branch or a holly bush. And even though the rhyme, the well-known rhyme says in Stephen's day was cut in the furs, many, many versions of the, of the legend tell us that it was a holly. And the holly is still used in that way on the 26th of December every year. In Irish mythology, holly was often used to make spears or darts, as well as axles or spoke wheels in chariots and carts, and it was seen as a warrior tree. In Irish folklore, holly is seen to be a protector and a tree deserving of great respect and care. A holly is certainly seen to be a protection, and if a holly tree is planted outside a house, it's often said that the house will be lucky and fortunate and won't encounter any tragedies. And it's also said of the animals that if a holly tree is planted outside a byre or outside a, a, the barn, that the animals will be safe. And in particular, it's mentioned that they would be safe from lightning and thunder and misfortune of, of that kind. Holly is seen to be different to other trees. I think the colour red, that startling red of the berries is amazing to, to encounter that in winter. And it's unexpected because winter is a time when there's so little colour in growth. And the signs were, we were told in tradition, in oral tradition, that if there were lots of berries available, uh, or lots of berries growing on the holly bushes any particular winter, that it was a sign that there was a severe winter ahead because nature was providing all these berries for the birds to eat. So it's a very logical explanation. And in Irish, it's called the, the word usel, or in English, gentle is used because it's a way of expressing, without spelling it out, expressing that it is associated with the other world or with the fairy world and that it has to be uh, held in regard accordingly and respected. An account that was collected in Donegal, it was said that there was a holly tree growing in Moni Dara, uh, which was said to be gentle, and again implying that association with the other world. The holly tree was growing on the left bank of the Kuldaf River. Long ago, if anyone would strike it with his or her head, the hair would fall off at night. One time a man took a piece off the holly of the tree, and when we went home, one of his cows lay down in the byre and would not rise until he would leave back the holly. When he came back, the cow got up, and ever since, no one ever touched the tree. So there's a lesson to be learned in that too, not, not to cut down the, the holly tree. After hearing Rianach talk about holly's associations with protection, I found a tiny shoot of it growing under a tree near my garden gate, and I enjoyed the thought that there might be some other forces at play, protecting me and my home from bad luck, from lightning and who knows what else. A wild storm striking a house with lightning is a terribly unlucky thing to happen, something absolutely out of our control as humans. Like lightning, war is something none of us have any power over either. I watched a wren in the bushes outside my gate, flitting from branch to branch and landing on the tiny holly. I thought about how strong folk beliefs would have been at a time when they were the only understanding of the world that we had. In Ireland, we're used to lighting a candle for someone in need, so maybe planting a holly can have a hand in forces beyond us too. 
So, to write a song for the holly has to be a song for these beliefs, for protection, for resistance, for standing against the cold of winter, a song for the wren, a song for the spread of holly all the way across the world, for its white flowers and for the holly blue butterfly. I'm singing this song for the gentle holly standing its ground. Steadfast and evergreen From mountains to seas you've been Friend of the oak you bring White flowers in the spring And see that the birds are fed Berries of crimson red A light in the ice and cold Holly of green and gold The straw boys hunt the rim As the winter sun goes down The lightning never strikes Where the holly stands its ground If dark clouds can fill the sky Thunder will pass us by The charm of the other world Is hidden among your curls Strawboys hunt the rain As the winter sun goes down Lightning never strikes Where the holly stands its ground the bells of a new year ring Small buds will bloom in spring Wait for the bright May day The holly blue flies away Strawboys hunt the rain As the winter sun goes down Lightning never strikes Where the holly stands its ground Strawboys hunt the wren As the winter sun goes down Lightning never strikes Where the holly stands its ground Where the holly stands its ground Where the holly stands its ground Because Holly has such a novel approach to life, we spoke with a botanist who could explain a few things about Holly for us. Dr. Nolene Smith is assistant professor in UCD's School of Horticulture. Before that, Nolene worked for many years in the Botanic Gardens in Dublin, and that's where we met with her to hear about Holly's botanical quirks. 
So this little section here by the Tolka River is uh, the holly collection here at the National Botanic Garden. So yeah, this is our native holly here, Aquifolium. So this is the common holly. So look at its massive distribution. Like it goes all the way from Europe, Africa, China. So it's a very widespread species. So you can see here lots of different types of leaves on the holly here. So you see some are all crinkled and torny. Others are quite smooth. So this is really interesting what holly does. It's called heterophily, which means different types of leaves. So philly is leaf. So here, uh, it's probably an adaptation to deer grazing. Because they can't move, they have to adapt to what's going on. So, you know, probably at the top of the, the holly trees, there'll be much more smooth edged leaves. So, you know, probably above the height of the deer. And that's specifically to make it difficult for a deer to chomp on them. Uh, yeah, that's it, yeah. And it's kind of amazing. So agriculture in the past would have had animals in the forest. So in the winter when father was short, they would actually chop down the, the upper branches of the holly and feed it to, you know, holly and ivy would be fed to cattle in winter. The leaves, it's quite hard to imagine feeding holly leaves to cattle. You'd think it would be, for a start, hard to chew on. But also the, the leaves are quite tough, aren't they? They don't grow and fall off each year. They keep growing year after year. Yeah, so it's one of our few evergreen trees as well. So yeah, I wouldn't say a cow would go for it preferentially. You'd want to be pretty hungry as, as a cow to kind of go munching on holly leaves. So yeah, it's probably hunger is good sauce, as they say. And can you tell me how long would each holly leaf stay on the tree? I think they can last for many, many years. Definitely more than five to eight years, I think. And why are the holly leaves so waxy and shiny looking? Uh, again, it's all about protection. So it's like a, a, a tough kind of outer skin, really. It's, it's really protecting themselves against grazing. And then in wetter climates, I suppose, you know, it helps water run off the leaf as well quicker if it's like a very smooth surface. Even though Holly goes to such an effort to deter the chomping mouths of grazing animals, we still come along and harvest its leaves to feed cattle in winter. By taking the smooth-edged leaves that grow higher up on the tree, we get around Holly's defence system. Providing winter sustenance for cattle is one of the reasons why Holly was valued so highly in ancient Ireland. The Brehon Laws are a suite of ancient community rules laid down in writing in the 8th century, otherwise known as Breha Comochiasa, or the Laws of the Neighbourhood. In these ancient texts, trees were categorised according to their value and utility. Holly was in the highest category, one of only five Arag Fado, or nobles of the wood. Right up until recent times, holly leaves were harvested to feed cattle in the lean winter months, when grass hardly grows and winter feed wasn't always as easy to come by as it is now. Some trees have male and female flowers on the same tree, though holly has separate male and female trees. Both male and female trees produce tiny white flowers in spring. Bees and butterflies transport pollen from male to female tree, and once fertilised, female flowers then start to develop the familiar bright red berries. This is why holly berries only grow on female trees. 
a lot of female hollies have become quite rare in the wild in Ireland. So if you see holly that doesn't bury, they're generally the male ones and then the female ones of berries, but everybody goes to pick their holly from the female. So there can be quite a reduction in uh, the number of females, you know. So what's interesting about them as well is those berries, when you see them and they're red, and if you sowed those berries, and you'd be waiting for your holly trees to come up the next year, they wouldn't appear because uh, it takes a long while for the little embryo to develop inside the holly. So it has this kind of delayed dormancy. So, so people might sow holly and kind of go, oh, there's nothing come up and throw out the seeds. But it actually takes two years or nearly two winters for the little, for the hollies to germinate. And then actually they'll all pop up. So you'll get 90% germination, but it kind of needs two winters to actually develop the little baby before it, it actually germinates. So you can kind of see how holly would become quite rare on the landscape if, you know, the, the females are being taken out for mm -hmm. berries and then you don't actually have that much berries kind of falling on the ground. And then if anything happens on the ground, within you know two years three years you don't actually get the the hollies germinating then it's also a very very hardy tree though isn't it so once it becomes established i would associate seeing holly in the most exposed locations on the tops of mountains where there's very little soil um, and a lot of wind and yeah harsh conditions it seems to to really hold on well yeah, no, it's definitely a survivor. You know, as you say, you'll find it on the mountains, you'll find it uh, everywhere. The waxy leaf then obviously protects it from kind of drying out and very harsh conditions. It can, it can kind of sit there. So it's slow kind of growing nature as well, makes it kind of strong and steady wherever it, it germinates and it it's, sets its foot. It's kind of, it's a bit of a, a survivor once it gets going. It's just slow to get going. I heard that holly would be used for the axle of a carriage because it was so strong. Yeah, so again, that slow growing, that durability, the keel of a boat, I think it's been used in those ones as well. So, yeah, so definitely for kind of a good strong timber for, for important places. And then today you tend to see holly just in remote places. Is it a common species in Ireland? Uh, in the past, it would have been a very common species, you know, in woodland. Uh, definitely would have been wherever we had woodland in Ireland, which pretty much, you know, covered the country. I suppose now we associate it more with the mountains because we've cleared all those other areas. And it's very adaptable, it grows in wide range of soils. And is the way that we go out and harvest wild sprigs of holly with the red berries for Christmas, is that damaging to, to the health of the holly population? Yeah, I suppose if too many people go to the same holly bush, you know, I'm from Kildare and I remember a holly bush that we all used to go collect holly from, you know, when we were smaller and that plant actually disappeared over time because, you know, it's been over harvested probably by a couple of families because uh, there's only one female possibly for every six or ten male plants. So, you know, if you're just going to keep taking the branches of holly, yeah, it doesn't get a chance to recover, a chance to grow. So I suppose, yeah, to look after those ladies because they're very precious, definitely through the Midlands, you know, there isn't so many of them. Both Rianach and Nolene, each from a different perspective, talk about harvesting sprigs of holly in winter and the harm that can be done when we over-harvest. There is clearly merit in folk traditions which encourage respect for holly and advise against taking too much wild winter holly with its lovely red berries. These red berries are clearly a powerful symbol of midwinter. There's a well-known traditional song, originally from Cornwall, that's often sung around Christmas and St. Stephen's Day, called The Holly She Bears a Berry. It describes the different colours of holly berries, 
and what they symbolise in the Christian tradition. The song clearly carried Holly's pagan symbolism into Christianity, so I've decided to re-explore those pre-Christian roots, and I've made a few adjustments to the lyrics. Accompanied by my friend Kane Coy on concertina, this is the holly she bears a berry. She bears a berry as green as the grass So the small birds in the bushes No winter will pass And the small birds in the bushes Sing melodious and free And the first tree that's in the green wood It was the holly Holly The first tree that's in the green wood, it was the holly. Oh, the holly, she bears a berry when the winter winds blow. Where the small birds in the bushes can hide from the snow. And the small birds in the bushes sing melodious and free. And the first tree that's in the green wood, it was the holly. in the green wood it was the holly 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 and the first tree that's in the green wood it was the holly butterfly whose life cycle is intricately tied up with holly, the holly blue butterfly. This stunning little butterfly has iridescent blue shimmering wings. Like all butterflies, holly blue butterflies spend the first part of their life cycle as pudgy little caterpillars. Holly blue caterpillars feed on the young flower buds of holly trees in early summer. They're very well camouflaged against the holly, 
having evolved to avoid being spotted by birds who gobble them up or feed them to the hatchlings in their nest. Caterpillars are a perfect food for young birds, being soft, juicy and full of protein. As well as being camouflaged, the caterpillars of holly blue butterflies have developed another clever way to protect themselves from predators. They sing as a way to call for help. Squeezing their squidgy body parts together, they make a squeaky, chirping noise, a caterpillar song, which calls the attention of red ants who come to protect the caterpillar from predators. The ants who come to help the defenceless little caterpillars are well rewarded because caterpillars of the blue butterflies have evolved an organ that secretes a sweet, juicy liquid that the ants love to eat. The caterpillars offer up this sweet liquid in return for the ants' protection. This is a symbiotic relationship between caterpillars and ants. You'd never know what could be going on amid the shiny green leaves of the holly tree just outside your house. Holly trees are all about resilience. They offer shelter and sustenance when all else has withdrawn for the winter. But holly is such a familiar tree that we tend to overlook its worth. To continue the tradition of harvesting sprigs of holly for midwinter decorations, we could revive some of the folk traditions of always showing respect for holly trees. Holly is all about protection, a symbol of continued life and hope in the heart of winter. Holly is certainly a Cran Bjog Uso, a noble little tree. Mm-hmm.